one reason we celebrate the holiness of God is because God is holy and he's perfect and because he's perfect he's all powerful and he's able to deal with the things that we're dealing with and so I have several prayer cards here in my hands lots of very heavy uh, needs here I've got some the word cancer appears several times and so we're gonna pray and pray for these needs and if you're here and you would say I, I have a need I didn't fill out a card but I've got something going on in my life I could do some prayer just go ahead and slip up your hand and we're gonna include all of those folks in this in this prayer Lord we, we you see every hand you know every situation you know the situations of the folks joining us online and I pray, Father, for every one of these cards, I pray that you would be the God that heals, that the God that heals and restores broken bodies. I pray that you would be the God that restores broken relationships, that you would be the God that provides financially, Lord. You would be the God that guides our children and, and the decisions we have in our lives. We put our faith and trust in you, knowing that you are able. Lord, I pray also that you would speak to us now through your word, that you would change our hearts and start with mine. We don't want to leave you the same way we got here, God, so make us more like you. Your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. If you're here uh, visiting with us for the first time, welcome. We're glad you're here. My name's Angel. I'm the pastor of this church. And uh, last week we weren't here. That was unscheduled uh, because I have um, been diagnosed with something called diverticulitis. And what that is, is it's an inflammation of the intestines and it's really painful. Uh, it's, it's worse than a woman having a baby, is what I'm saying. And so, um, I actually went in for it, and the, the first time I went into the ER for it, and the, the nurse says, describe your pain, and I said, well, it feels like I'm having contractions. And she goes, well, have you ever had contractions? I'm like, it's not a contest, I'm just trying to tell you, like, what I'm... Anyway, and so if you're, if you're a UFC fan, if you're familiar with the UFC, Brock Lesnar used to fight in the UFC heavyweight, uh, champ and he had to retire from mixed martial arts because of diverticulitis he has the same thing and so when I heard that I thought well me and Brock were basically <laughs> basically the same so so me and Brock Lesnar are dealing with the same stuff but um, thanks to everybody who, who prayed for me I know many of you prayed for me some of you were like man angel sick a lot I know yeah I'm sorry but uh, didn't do it on purpose uh, I was down and out for about five days. I mean, a lot of antibiotics and stuff, and I still don't feel quite right, but I'm really excited and glad to be here. And I'm really thankful. Yep. And I'm really thankful for Ray uh, stepping in on one day's notice last week. Um, I called him, and he, they had just done the youth lock-in the night before, so I knew he was asleep at 8 o'clock in the morning, uh, 9 o'clock in the morning, and I said, hey, man, is there any way you could preach tomorrow? And so with one day's notice and very little sleep, Ray stepped in and did an incredible message, so thank you so much for Ray. So they, it, oftentimes in our, in our lives when we're, when we're healing, or we're, uh, all, you, all you can do is wait, right? There's really nothing else you can do but sit and wait. So today we're going to talk a little bit about patience. We live in a time where we want everything and we want it now. But I grew up in a time when I would go to school, there would be a crock pot of beans cooking on the counter. Did anybody remember the beans cooking on the counter in the crock pot? And so I would get home from school and my job was to fill the beans with water and make sure they didn't burn because they were slow cooking for hours, these beans. And now we have Instapots and air fryers and I think those are great and those things are wonderful. But we live in a generation where microwave ovens and cell phones have conditioned us that whatever we want, we can have it right now. And there's nothing wrong with some of that stuff, but 
We also get this idea that whatever we want, we can have it now. Whatever information you want, you can have it right now. You don't have to look anything up. You don't have to go to the library. You don't even have to ask anybody. You can text somebody, get a hold of them right now, wherever they're at, whatever they're doing. You can interrupt that and get what you need from them right now. And if they don't respond to your text, you just see the three little dots. You get mad at them and you say, why isn't this sucker responding to my text, right? Because we, and, and at the risk of being the old guy lamenting the younger generation, let me just give you a thought. Sometimes the best things in life take time. Sometimes those good things take time. Now, I've had uh, refried beans out of the can, and they're okay. And I've had those uh, dehydrated, rehydrated, instant refried beans, and those are okay too. But I'm here to tell you that there's nothing better than getting a pot of freshly cooked beans. Now, when I was a kid, I would get home from school. I was the first one home, and I would get a bowl and I'd throw some of those fresh beans in there, a little salt, a little cheese, and then I'd get a piece of cold bologna. I think my dad taught me that move, and that was some fine living back then, right? Like that was the way to go. But if you really want to uh, clog your heart, I mean, if you really want to have a good time, you get some of that blue morel lard that comes in the box. Do you know what I'm talking Some of you guys know what I'm talking about, right? The blue, not, not, I'm not talking about vegetable oil. I'm talking about lard. You get some lard, mash those beans up, and you will be transported to the third heaven. You will, and if, so, so ladies, if you've been dating him for a while, and he won't pop the question, here's what you do. Get you some beans, put them in a slow cooker all day, then you get them out, you get that blue container of lard, you fry those beans up, put them in a tortilla, and hand them to him. And I promise the next move he'll make will be this. Okay? So that was free. Just name your first kid Angel. That'd be, that'd be fine, right? The great, the best moments take time. And, you know, getting a burger fast is okay, but there's something better about a slow-cooked brisket that took all night long. You know what I mean? Does anybody in here know how to do that? Why haven't you invited me over? Because I love... Anyway, so... But we want instant happiness. We want instant change. We want instant results. We want to go to the gym and, and look in the mirror and see a change. We want to give in the offering and then get that winning lotto ticket by 2 o'clock. Right? We want instant. We want everything to happen right away. But some of the best things in life take time. This is Warren Buffett, legendary investor, uh, worth over $114 billion. And he's, he's made his money investing over in stocks over the long term, compounding his interest and making his money. This is what he says about patience. No matter how great the talent or efforts, some things just take time. You can't produce a baby in one month by getting nine women pregnant. I'll let you think about that second part later on your way home, right? He's got a great point there, though. But what he's saying is, sometimes the best things in life just take time. So we've been looking at Jesus and his better way for us to live. And we're going to look at a parable that he shared in Mark chapter 4. And in a parable was Jesus would tell a story that would take things that the people could understand, like in this case it's farming, and he would teach them about something they couldn't understand, like the kingdom of God. And so that's what he's doing here. So we're going to read this parable, and then we'll make some observations. So he starts out by saying, listen. Look at your neighbor and say, listen. Listen. I'll tell your teenage kids for you, okay? Listen. A farmer went out to sow his seed. 
As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seeds fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. So here I have a couple of farming tools. Now, I'm not a farmer. I don't garden. The closest thing I do to farming is I do a weekly grass harvest with my lawnmower, all right? So that's... <laughs> but my grandfather was a farmer. And so here I have a tool that's designed for planting, and here I have a tool that's designed for bringing in or harvesting, right? And this tool right here, this one is designed so that you would take, uh, take this tool and maybe a small plant or a seed, and you poke a hole in the ground with the tool, and then you put the seed in, knock some of the dirt back in, and then you move like four inches, and you do it again, over and over and over. Now, my parents were migrant field workers, and so they did this move with a tool just like this thousands and thousands of times. And the reason they did that is so that me and my brothers wouldn't have to do that kind of work. And I can tell you, because of the work that they did, I have never had to punch a hole in the ground with one of these to earn a living. Some of us stand on the shoulders of giants that have patiently worked and sacrificed and fought so that you could have a better life. See, you think that you, you were born on third base, but the truth is somebody fought to get you and your family there. And some of us need to look back and say, thank you to Grandma who worked so hard so that we could be where we're at. So then this is the harvesting tool. It's used to bring in. And, and so the, the order is supposed to be plant, harvest, plant, harvest. And the order is important because oftentimes we want to skip this part and we want to go straight to this part. We want everything and we want it now. We want to reap before we sow. We want to harvest before we plant. We want to be promoted before we put the time in to even learn the business. So many hiring managers tell me, these, these, I get so many resumes for executive positions by people who have no experience. What they want to do is they want to harvest before they plant. We want to buy it before we can afford it. We want to sleep with it before we have a ring on it. All right, anyway. <laughs> that is the way of 2023. You can have whatever you want, and you can have it right now. But Jesus comes to introduce the upside-down kingdom. And he says, my way is different. In my kingdom, it's not of this world, and my way is different. His way is always better. So let's notice a couple of things about this parable. The first thing, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering its seed, this didn't happen in just a few minutes. This doesn't happen in a day. Scattering seed takes time, and it takes faith that what he's doing is going to work. Why would we show up to a, a field to harvest that we've never planted in? Why would we expect that God is going to give us a harvest that we've never sown into or invested in? Why would you expect to come to Mosaic Church and get a date from a single woman when you haven't invested any time as a greeter at the door greeting those single women, shaking hands, and checking for that ring? Why would you do that? Instead, maybe God is inviting you 
I'm building families here right now, okay? <laughs> Maybe God is inviting you to sow before you expect to harvest. Ladies, if he's not a tither, don't date him. Men, if she's not tithing, don't date her. Because if he's, if he's stingy with God, he's going to be stingy with you. He's going to be stingy with his time. He's going to be stingy with your kids. He's going to be stingy with compliments. He's going to be stingy with affection. You're looking for someone who generously plants. Someone who generously sows seed. Scattering seed requires faith. When I drive around in the spring and I see all the farmers plant, plowing up their fields and planting, I think, those guys got to be blown away that this works every year. You know what I mean? Like every year we put seed in the ground and every year all of this corn or wheat or whatever grows. Look what Jesus says about this process. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces the grain. So if you ask a farmer, how does this happen? He'd say, well, I planted it, I watered it, and then, to be honest, I don't know. So if I said, farmer, how does this process work? He would have to be honest, and he, this would be his response. <laughs> He'd say, I don't know. I mean, it happens, and sometimes people will ask us, uh, Dan and I, about this church. How did you start this church? How did you grow this church? And of course, I have some ideas about what, what worked and, and how this has happened, but big picture, how did Mosaic happen? How did it grow? I don't know. <laughs> we, we showed up. We put some seed in the ground. And now, now, let, me, let me connect this to you. Some of you think that you were, like, you were smart enough to grab that job, but you know that in your heart of hearts, God did it. You were surprised when they called you because you felt you were not qualified, and you did it, and you went for it anyway, and you got it. You know what happened? You planted some seed in the ground, and God made it grow, right? You look around, and maybe you think that you were really smooth enough to get that wife, but everybody around you is like, bro, I don't know how you did that. I don't know how you pulled that one. You all punted your coverage, brother. Like, I do not get it. God did it. Maybe some of you are even honest enough to say, I don't know how we made it through. I don't know how I survived that. I don't know how I made it through the death of the person that I love so much. I don't know how I made it through that financial disaster. To be honest, I'm surprised I'm still alive. I'm surprised that I'm not dead somewhere, but somehow I thought for sure I'd end up face down on the canvas, but it was God who did it, God who lifted me up, God who brought me through. Sometimes I get up early in the morning. I, I'm usually an early riser. I'll get up and I'll make coffee, and while I'm making coffee, I'll uh, read my Bible, I'll do my, my morning YouVersion Bible app reading. Many of you are joining us with that and I'll do my Bible reading, and then I'll look around, and in the quiet of the morning, when I'm by myself with God, you can't really, like, you, you, you can't bluff God, especially when it's just you and him, right? And so I, sometimes I look around, and I say, God, I don't, I don't know how this happened. Thank you for this house. Thank you for this, some punk kid from Fort Lupton. I don't know how I did this, but thank you for this house. Thank you for my cars. Thank you for this church. Thank you that you chose me to do this. Thank you that Diane has put up for 33 years with my mess. Thank you for that. Thank you that she has not turned her back on me. She could have done way better, I'm here to tell you, but I'm glad that she picked me. Lord, thank you. Maybe that's what we got to say. Say, Lord, as I've planted and I've harvested, I realize now it wasn't me. It was you. The soil produced the grain. 
Maybe it was God. Maybe we just need to say thank you. So the farmer uh, puts his seed in the ground, and I, I, love, I love activity. Like, if the, if the worst thing you could possibly do to me is make me sit on a beach for a week. I would hate it, and I would hate you, right? <laughs> After about four hours, that's about all I've got in me. And, then, and Diane's the same way. We love activity. So I love being busy. And activity now, is, it's, a, it's, a, it's a badge that we wear, right? We ask people, how you doing? I'm busy. So busy. Like, we used to say, fine, I'm doing good, right? How's there? How are you doing? Good. We're doing good. Now we're busy. Everybody's busy. It's like, brother, you don't work. What do you mean you're busy? What are you doing all day? Like, what are you, catching up on Netflix? What are you doing? So we love being busy. We love the planting. And I also really love the harvest. That harvest season is awesome. You finally got the job that you've been working for. You finally started your own business and it's going well. You finally are getting paid what you were worth. You're standing at the altar and you're getting married for that, with that person that you love. The bills are all paid on time. Everything's going really good. That kid of yours that you weren't sure was going to make it is graduating. It, that's a, it's a great season, the harvest season. But the part we don't like is the part in the middle. And if we're honest, the reason we hate waiting is because we're not 100% sure that what we're waiting on is going to happen. We're not 100% sure that God is going to do what he said he was going to do. Because waiting takes faith. That middle part takes patience. And we worry about our seeds that we've put in the ground. We worry about our kids. We worry about our, our retirement. We worry about our jobs. We worry about our businesses. We worry about our school. We worry about our relationships. And there's nothing we can do but sit and wait and hope for the best. But I want to show you something that I learned about seeds this week that shows you that God has tipped the scales already in your favor. I, I, I was studying seeds, and I knew nothing about any of this. I Last time I studied this, I think I was in sixth grade. But I looked at this, and the, the piece that, of that parts of the seed, that part of the seed that jumped out to me the most was the coat. The coat protects the seed. So a seed has a coating around it that protects it from sprouting before it's supposed to sprout. You, you, know, you can hold seeds in your hand, and, and nothing will happen, right? You can hold, some scientists have planted seeds that are hundreds of years old that they won't plant until they're, they won't grow until they're in the right environment. And so your seeds that God has given you, that you've planted in the ground, I want you to know that they are protected. What does this mean to you? It means that your kids are protected. God has your kids in the palm of his hand. They're not even your kids, they're his kids. Half the time you don't even want those kids, but God wants them all the time, right? God's like, I, I love these kids, I'll take them any day. God cares about them more than you do. It's hard to imagine, isn't it? Because I know if, you, if they needed it, you'd give them the heart out of your chest. And God loves them more than you do. He's protecting those kids. Your kids are protected. Your finances, you partner with God, your finances are protected. You don't have to stay up at night and worry if you're going to have enough to retire. If you're partnering with God and giving God what is his, your seed is protected. Your relationship, you just keep giving everything to God and you keep doing everything, you're, and your seed is protected. So as you sit here right now, there's no need to worry about what's going to happen because God has already got everything you need in the palm of his hands, and you are protected, my friend. So for now, it's the waiting. So how do we wait? What do we do while we're waiting? Paul tells us, 
Colossians chapter 3. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. While you're waiting, God says, clothe yourself with patience. I don't like that part. I would rather God says, clothe yourself with activity, right? Get something done. No, 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 no. He says, clothe yourself with patience. It's like wrapping yourself in a robe. The reason that robes are made of terry cloth, they're made of like, it's like a big towel. The reason is so that they'll absorb the water that's irritating your skin and pull it away from your skin so it doesn't irritate you anymore. And Paul is inviting us. He says, clothe yourselves with patience. Patience will do the same thing with the irritants in our lives. So when you're at the checkout line and it's the self-checkout and the person in front of you has a whole cart and they can't figure out how to use the scanner and you're standing there, you have two items and they're like beep, beep, and beep and you, you don't know what's going on, right? <laughs> Instead of losing it, starting to boil inside, Paul says, clothe yourself with patience. Lord, give me patience. Help me grow my patience so that those things don't irritate me. When you're in the, in the left lane going down the highway and someone's going 50 miles an hour and you're like, oh, Lord, help me to clothe myself with patience. When, when that person in your life that tells the longest, slowest stories, oh, gosh, just get to the point, please. Right? Lord, help me to clothe myself with patience. God is inviting us to clothe ourselves with patience. So I would invite you to make this a prayer today. Lord, I trust you, and I trust that the wait will be worth it. I trust you that the wait for my finances will be worth it. I trust you that the wait with these kids will be worth it. I trust that the wait for the relationship will be worth it. God is gonna, if you're, if you're single, Lord, I trust you that you're gonna send the right person when it's time. I trust that the wait is worth it. When a woman is pregnant, she might complain that she's uncomfortable. Okay, I think she will complain that she's uncomfortable, all right? And she might even say, I want the baby to come early, but I've never met a mom who, would, who said, I, I don't want the baby to go full term because you, you, you know that if the baby goes full term, everything's going to be okay. It's going to be healthy. I'm willing to wait and be uncomfortable knowing that it's going to be worth it when I have a healthy baby. God is growing things inside of you, inside your life, and he's inviting you to trust him and wait because the wait is going to be worth it. So how do we do this? Well, uh, there was this group of, I read about this family called the Flying Rudellas, and there were these high-flying trapeze artists from Germany, and they would do these acts that were like this. Now, there's no sound on the video, so don't, if those of you that are joining us online, don't be like, what's going on? Okay, there's no sound. They would do stuff like this. Isn't that amazing? So they, they said that there's two jobs there. There's the flyer who's letting go of the bar and flying it through the air, and then there's a the person who's known as the catcher, and his job is obviously to catch the person flying, right? They said that the flyer's responsibility is he cannot try and catch the catcher. He's got to stay as still as possible 
and trust that the person's going to catch him. This is how they said it. The flyer must never try to catch the catcher, but must wait in absolute trust. The catcher will catch him, but he must trust and wait. Some of you might feel like you're flying through the air right now. What's happening? What's going to happen with my house? What's going to happen to my retirement? What's going to happen at my job? And I want to invite you to trust and wait because Jesus has not ever dropped even one. He's never dropped anybody. He's not going to start with you. He's got you, but we're going to trust and wait. Let's pray. Father, you know every situation here. You know every situation of every person joining us online. And I pray, Father, that you would give us the heart to trust you, that we would, we would relax knowing that our Father in heaven who loves us has everything in his hands. So, God, today we make a conscious decision to trust and wait. We're not going to try and catch you. We're not going to try and catch the catcher. We're going to trust and wait knowing that you have our, our future in your hands and that you have our best interest in your hands. Lord, we trust you. We trust you with our finances. We trust you with our kids. We trust you with our jobs. We trust you with our businesses. We trust you with our health. We trust you with our relationships. We're going to trust and wait. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and sing this last chorus with us? And the angels cry. and you thought, I need that patience. I'm not good at waiting, but I don't know how. I don't know the next step. I know I need Jesus, but I don't know the next step. I'm here to help you with that today. We never like to end a service without giving somebody the opportunity to accept Jesus into their life. The whole reason Mosaic exists is to connect people to Jesus and help them grow in their faith. So we're going to say a simple prayer together with every eye closed and head bowed. I want everybody to repeat this after me. There's no special, there's nothing special behind the words. It's your heart behind it. It's your heart behind asking God into your life. So I'm going to ask everyone to repeat after me. Dear God, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that you sent him to die on the cross for my sin. God, I know I'm a sinner. I ask you to wash away my sin. Come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. I make you number one in everything I do. Help me to serve you from this day forward. Amen. If you said that prayer for the first time, we just want to say welcome to the family. Woo.